TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number... 580, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Six Degrees of Geek. This is Tom, and I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida and host the Screen Tom podcast on iTunes and podcast by Spotify. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. All right, let's start off with the news. Tom, what you got? Okay, ABC canceled ABC shows. Alaska Daily, <laughs> Alaska Daily, Big Sky, and The Company You Keep. They have renewed the Connors and Not Dead Yet. And uh, the big news from last week's upfronts, they pushed all scripted premieres from Fall 23. Oh, they pushed them all to January? Yep, because of the writer's strike. Uh, Apple TV Plus announced physical will end with the upcoming season three. CBS picked up the Matlock reboot, the Elizabeth Goodwife spinoff, and the Damon Wayans senior and junior sitcom Papa's House. Uh, CW announced its fall schedule. The only carryover is All-American. Walker is being held for midseason. Walker Independence, Kung Fu, and Winchesters were all canceled. Uh, decisions forthcoming on Superman and Lois and uh Oh, I, I heard Superman and Lois is going to end up on HBO Max. You mean that's Max. What I, or whatever it's called. Yes. <laughs> whatever they call it. That is what I, that is the rumor that I heard. I don't know if that's true, but well, that's that's what I heard is in the works. So um the live action Powerpuff Girls pilot is dead and will not be redeveloped. However, comma, they uh, CW has ordered a librarian's sequel series. I know why. That show's terrible. I, I don't know. Oh um, FXX has announced that Archer will end with with season fourteen. Uh, NBC announced that Law and Order SVU's Molly Burnett will leave ahead of season twenty five. Netflix renewed Virgin River for season six ahead of season five premiere, and Jenny and Georgia has been picked up for seasons three and four. And that's all I have. All righty, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk Succession, and I think you guys have two weeks of Succession to discuss. Because you didn't talk about it last week, so what you got? Well, the the, the previous I mean. episode, <laughs> the previous week's episode had just this really, really awkward, awful conversation between Tom and Shiv, where basically she accused him of you just married me to get close to my father. You never really loved me. The thing is, Tom really does love Shiv. I'm not sure that Shiv reciprocates, but he basically goes after her and says, you know, it's a good, you know, you'd be a terrible mother. It's a good thing. You, you, you don't have children. And then she drops the bomb that, ha, I'm pregnant with your child. <laughs> she doesn't do that until the next episode. Not no, that, until, was, that was last week's episode. That was, that was last week's episode, but he, he accuses her of being a terrible uh, you know she, that she she would be a terrible mother when they were standing on the balcony in the previous week's episode. Was 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 that the election episode or I'm getting the, the, the episode previous to the election? Right, the, right. The right. one when he, they're 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 waiting. Um, they're they have the party for the election right, the, the, and they're the standing on the party, patio. The awkward right. party where she's going around telling everybody he's getting fired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so love you too, honey. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the the previous episode. And then the one that follows that is the one where she finally drops the bomb in the middle of the elect in the middle of election night. She gets him in a hallway and 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 admits, and he doesn't believe her. He thinks it's just another you know maneuver of her. And nobody said anything about her subtle weight gain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like um, she's gonna show. The uh, the election episode was nuts and. It's interesting how they tapped into what's going on in the real world and then made it their own, but it's also kind of scary. (laughs) 
Because... Oh, it was by far the the I was I was so tense through that entire episode. It's like it's not real election night. <laughs> so there's there's no there's no real world consequences from this. But it just it, it had me in so many flashbacks to to election nights recently passed. The last two. That, yeah, I mean <laughs> you know, and especially 2016 where I I was just I mean it was like the world was ending. And and it was it was it was really just you know like PTSD that I was having while I was watching this show. It was just so so raw. I mean, they've got this situation where they have this guy who's who's just an an open fascist um, and smarter than the the one we got in real life. Um, so definitely a a dangerous man. And it's it you know that we watch as they position him i mean they, they pretty much call the election before they have any right to they, they close on the west coast yes um i mean ever they do everything systematically and roman is at the at the head just beating this drum as hard as he possibly can and and they do everything that is disastrous for democracy in this episode it's it's truly harrowing to watch and Shiv got outed as basically being being allied with uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, which, with Matt with Matson. Yeah, with Matson, and she'd been she basically out and out lied to several people about it, except for cousin Greg at, knew the truth. And do you think he knocked her out? Oh, he absolutely. He, when 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 we see him, you know, talking to uh, to Kendall. You know, yep. we don't hear what they say, but as he's walking past after talking to Kendall, he, he gives this evil smile to Shiv, and you know he just outed her. You know, yeah. uh, so at, especially after Kendall comes in and basically blurts out everything. That I'm that really happens. interested. They only have two two episodes left, and I, I have no idea where they're going. I mean, we get we get the funeral next week, mm-hmm. but it's this just... week actually. It's tonight. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's tonight's yeah. episode. But yeah, but everybody's so awful. <laughs> I know. And, and you sort of kind of want to root for Roman because he's like the least detestable and he's got a sense of humor unlike the other two. But no. Well, that would have been the case before this last episode. Yeah, before before this last episode. And it's like, yeah, you can't root for him anymore. He so. came out full Nazi in this episode. So yeah, really not so much. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, that's the thing got... with succession. No, nobody to really root for. Yeah, going out on top. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess that you guys are giving that thumbs up, right? Oh, yeah. oh, big thumbs up. It was an amazing episode. And now for All something right. completely different. <laughs> Let's talk about Barry. And Ooh, I think Tom, Tom, Tom was called it uh, jumping the shark, which I I get why you say that because it does feel like a completely different show now that we've done the time jump. They didn't Only, need to do the time jump. I'm not disagree. I'm not disagreeing with you because it was. I was like, wait, is this a dream? But I will say the thing that really has me excited though is the end of the last episode where Barry's like trying to figure out what he's going to do, and he's listening to all these tapes, like what's morally right, blah blah blah. And then he gets to the door, and the door's hanging open. I'm like, dude, it's a trap. It's a trap. Why do you not see it's a trap? And I was like, they literally trapped you like this last time like what are you doing dude and then he walks you know right into said trap and then and then i could only thing is i couldn't figure out who had trapped him but then when as soon as the the hood came up i was like oh of course it's the smartest guy on the show it's janice's dad yeah yeah yeah. he's the smartest guy on the show who is obviously the one who would have set that trap because it feels as soon as i saw who it was i was like oh yeah that that's his move um so now I can't wait for the next episode because that dude, him in a room across from whoever, just knows to know. He's so, it's so good. He's so good. So I can't wait for that. But I cannot deny you are correct that the time jump has made it annoying and his son is not interesting. The only thing the time Sally's jump. not that interesting in the time Well, jump. I was going to say the only thing the time jump has revealed is how much of a sociopath Sally is like, I suspected that she wasn't a, I knew she wasn't really a good person, but watching her with her son, I'm like, Oh my God, she's a terrible person. Like she's almost worse than Barry and Barry's a killer. Just because you know what I mean? Just because she gave her son a screwdriver when he thinks it's just orange juice. Not just that. I think she one genuinely does not like her son. 
Um, no, and she I, clearly and, doesn't. And I think that she doesn't like her life. She hates her life. And just that weird thing she did with the guy in the bathroom. I was like, what What are you doing? Like, uh, what? Like, she's just, awful. she's, a, yeah, she's a awful in a way that I cannot really sympathize with. And yes, yeah, she's a legitimately terrible person. And I think the time jump has, re- I just found her annoying before. And now I can kind of find her despicable. So, uh, Tom, you go forth and talk, speak. No, I just I I really hated the the episode after the time jump. I just it did absolutely nothing for me except for it wasted 30 plus minutes of my life. Um, And the problem is when you have the episode afterwards, then basically we pick up where we left off, except for it's eight years later or whatever. Yeah, because it's basically the same action. Like, you're right. Story-wise, plot-wise, you are in a similar place, except that NoHo Hank now has a huge conglomerate company, which is different. And he's he's had time to mourn Cristobal, but obviously not mourn him well. And I can't... He's locked out the fact that he had him killed. (laughs) Yes, he's changed the narrative. But I can't decide if... What's the dude that just got out of prison? Fuchs. What's not Fuchs? Fuchs. I can't decide if Fuchs is is screwing with him because it feels like he's screwing with him versus being complete, genuinely confused. That he was like, "Why is he so insulted?" I'm like, "Dude, you know," because he's we see him clocking all the crystal ball stuff, like during the whole tour and everything. He's paying attention to all those little details. So then when he starts the conversation and starts screwing with him, it really feels deliberate. Oh, it is and deliberate. Fuchs, right, right. Fuchs Fuchs is being del- but, I can't, but I can't figure out what his end goal is. Like, why would he take well, away his, Fuchs all is, his support? Fuchs is just a sociopath. I mean, we've seen that before. And he likes to be in control of things. So he thinks that, you know, if he plays these mind games with, with Hank, that, you know, that puts him in a position of power. It, it, you know, blew back in his face, of course. But I mean, that's that's never stopped him before. He does the, he, he does this constantly with Barry beforehand. Yep. Where he does things that blow up, you know, and and make things worse. And he never seems to learn. Uh, but I thought I the the one thing I thought because I I'm with you that I I hate the time jump. But I I did find the bit with Fuchs when he gets out of prison and he's covered in tattoos. And <laughs> He's acting like this, you know, hardened criminal. And they, they go, they even do the thing where he, he picks up, a, you know, his mall at, at this, this fast food place fast or this coffee shop. That's so insane. And, and she's, she, they, could, she, they couldn't find a more bland, nothing woman to, to play this part, but she's going to be his, like, gun mall, right? And, I mean, all oh of that God. was just so funny. I, I, I loved all of that. That was great. Yeah, that's oh, why I said the second so episode. Ridiculous. Yeah, the second episode after the flashback was actually good. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah flash I mean, forward, I, whatever. I I love that, and and Hank is you know Hank. Um, I mean, it's it's it, like you said, it's like it it never we we didn't have any change in his character. There's change in his circumstance, but no ho Hank is still no ho Hank. Um, yeah. And and all of that was was actually good because I I miss these characters so it was great to see them back. Um, the whole thing with Sally though I don't even understand that right. that black clad creature that was following her around. What the room. was that? And I because then he like disappeared. What was going on? But then the house is really that, destroyed. And what? I, I like I like I I'm I kept kept thinking has does that really happen? Or did she drink so much that she's having hallucinations now? Well, the house is trashed. Well, but she could have done that. Her, she could have done that herself. I mean, I don't know about the hole in the wall, but she could have trashed the room while she was drunk, and now thinks that you know it's this this shadow person who did it. I but I I mean, or maybe there was a guy. I have no clue. It was the weirdest scene, and I have no explanation for it. It just <laughs> total left field. Well, the only thing I can think of is the black clad guys, the guy she screwed with in the bathroom and scared him. And so this is his revenge. Possibly. That's the Possibly. only thing that I can think of for that scene. But yeah, that was so bizarre. I was like, wait, what? Like, I feel like they they were screwing with reality so hard 
that even us watching it don't understand what reality was. So I don't know. But let's move on. I'd say second episode is much better than the first of, of flash forwards. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Ted Lasso. And this was episode 10, I believe. And this episode, had everything. Uh, we had everyone. Everyone it had everything. everything. It had everyone and everything. But it had the team like kind of broke up to be part of their national teams, except for Sam, who got blocked out of his team because that guy's so petty. Dude, that dude is so petty. Uh, he's like, I paid Nigeria uh, uh, $20, million. $20 million. Free money. Not to have you on the team. Like, come on, dude. Like, oh, he's so petty. Anyway, so and the whole thing. And then uh, my 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 favorite guy, Ro- Rojas, is a jerk for no reason and then comes back and, ex- and it's, what? What was going on with him? Like, I don't understand what that was about. Uh, well, because entirely. when he's your buddy, when um, he's your teammate, but... he's all smiley and happy. But when he is your enemy, he is your enemy. I mean, that's the kind of trope. Yes, I get it. But it felt a little too... He's never treated okay. any of the other teams that they've been up against that way. Like that. He broke weird. his boot. Yeah, he broke his friend's nose and didn't even apologize for it. Then he tried to gaslight him and be like, oh, he just ran into something. I don't know what happened to his nose. I was like, what? What? I so that was just bizarre in a way that I can't. I think that's indicative of this season. You know what I mean? I think um, some of the the jokes are kind of uh, forced into like a trope. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that he's like an angel. I mean, we've never had any indication that he would be this way. Uh, and, and that... I mean, and that is the joke. That's the funny. That's what's supposed to be funny is you would never expect him to be, you know, so awful if he's your mortal enemy. But I mean, exactly. You're. It, I mean, it doesn't make sense what you're saying. I mean, if, if what you're saying is it doesn't make sense if, well, fine, but he doesn't treat other enemy teams that way. But I think the idea was the the switch off on of someone who he is so close to, then suddenly, you know, he's not close to even a little bit because he's on the opposing team not that he is always that way with everybody on an opposing team that's not his personality so i mean it's a trope um and for me i feel like this episode i actually liked it that one didn't land yeah it didn't land at all but and and like i said that to me that's sort of indicative of of symbolic of of a lot of the things that didn't land this season which were a little kind of grandstandy and tropey and convenient um but, but let's well, talk about the well, stuff that no, did I mean, work what I, Well, episode. what I was going to say is, uh, in summary, uh, there's so much that could have worked and, I mean, did work and didn't work. I mean, they, the thing that uh, I, the thing that, uh, you know, like I said, we're all moving towards the end. But th- this, it, it was very evident to me, again, what my problem with this season is, I'm going to get to the stuff I really liked uh, or liked. Um, is that the the elongating of these episodes, individual episodes, allows for, this is a, a positive, allows for what they did, but I don't know that it served it perfectly in the, in the end, which is uh, each episode then allows them to hit more of the characters. You know what I mean? It's not just one or two characters per episode. It's not one story arc. Uh, they have sort of the luxury of kind of hitting as many characters as possible every episode so that we can move all of the trains back into the station all at once. Um, and that's what we got here. And, um, you know, we were, you were talking about the petty billionaire. Um, he's hilarious. And we, we, we've talked about this before. He is historically someone who plays uh, his characters, his for comedic effect, mousy, you know, and subservient and very shy. And so for him to do, take on this comedic role, I mean, it's, scenery chewing he is just absolutely over the top outrageous but i'm kind of loving it it's just fun to watch him you know just go nuts um you know as far as uh the emotional you know relevance or kind of impactfulness there is none he's just kind of it's just funny so um but i thought that was fun to watch and so in this episode um uh he has that meeting he has that millionaires meeting and um uh, oh my God! What what's her name? The um, team owner, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Rebecca. The best Rebecca. thing about the scene is 
it, it's not about him. It's not about him. Yes. It's about Rebecca and Rupert. That's really yes. what the scene's about. Yes. Well, I no, mean, that's yes, the thing. He's, he's there being, being petty and annoying, but it's really, yeah. yes, that's where I'm going with. Well, he, yeah, but I really want to talk about yes, Rebecca that's where and Rupert I'm going. because that meeting. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, there's other people who want to talk. I just want, I, I don't, yeah. I don't want you to talk the whole yeah, time. Yeah, no, so no, that no, no. I, but I was just going to say you know? that I was getting to the point where I was just going to get to the point where one of the resolutions and this is series resolution uh because we're, i was talking about emotional resonance uh is the fact that uh she the entire series from the beginning has been about rebecca you know uh reeling from uh being divorced and you know her her the whole reason why she bought the team you know is to get back at rupert and so her closure as we're fast hurtling towards is her not caring anymore about rupert and you know whether what he thinks about her or how he makes her feel or all, all that other stuff so um i thought that was great i mean i really thought that that was moving towards uh, that resolution that we needed um i mean i'll let other people speak but there were so many things going on with the and i i will say this other thing that i really liked i'll end yeah. up happy um, the Roy, uh, the uncle birthday, the appreciation, uncle appreciation day or whatever, uncle birth, whatever day that was, that was adorable. I love bringing her back. Happy uncle Happy day. Happy uncle day. I miss her so much. Um, I love their interplay. I thought it was great putting him in that shirt and all of that was a visual gag and stuff. I'm really glad they brought her back. I was hoping that they wouldn't just kind of forget about her. So I thought that was a really cute, fun way to kind of bring it back. But, so, and then you guys can talk about the million other stories. I want to go back to the, yeah, I want to go back to, no, I want to go back to the Rebecca Rupert thing uh, a little bit because for me, what, I never really understood was why Rebecca was with Rupert in the first place. Really? You know, I never saw why would she ever be with this dude? He's we all we ever see with Rupert is how horrible he is to her. What I really liked about this scene is that we see it from Rupert's point of view a little bit and you really see the actual love that he at one point really really loved rebecca and because every other woman that we've ever seen him with he treats like a trophy wife he treats like a trophy that's not even a real person and i what i really liked in this scene is you could see the chemistry you could see how much he really actually loved her at one point and they had their own language they had their own shorthand and I was really vibing it up until he moved in for the kiss. And I was like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Like I was yelling at the screen. And I love that. I love that they got me to that point and feeling that. But uh, Allison, Tom, you guys, when do you guys talk? I want to talk think? about Keely. I Go did not like the way they executed the, the twin plot lines with Keely. Uh, Jack basically, I mean, Jack basically saying, I'm not going to invest in your company anymore. And all oh, right, I thought that was handled. Oh, we kind of saw that coming, though. Well, we really. saw it coming, but I still did. I, I thought it wasn't handled well. And then, um, the thing with Rebecca investing in the company that's a no brainer. And I, I, I love over the three seasons how we've seen this in this testosterone show, we've seen these uh female characters bond. I also like the fact that Kitty won Barbara over, which was nice. I oh, did, oh, yeah. Not, I thought it was a mistake to get Keely and Roy back together so soon. So fast. That just felt like rebound much. So I, I didn't think well, the it's only third... thing is I like that he wrote the letter and I like that she read it. I love that moment. And then I was like, dude, walk away, walk away, walk away. Like I was yelling at the screen for him to walk away. And I was really hoping that she would take time to think about process. I, I had, yeah, process it. That's what I thought we where we were going. And you're right. It does feel a little reboundy that she jumped into bed with him I, immediately. I'm not a fan of the supersized episodes. I think they feel bloated. Thank you, Tom. And Ted was really light in this episode. Yeah. It's like it's called yeah. Ted Lasso, not everybody else in Ted Lasso's universe. Well, the, that's been a problem this whole season. Ted has almost been on the sidelines for everything this season. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's Ted, Ted Lasso as, as sort of an addendum. Um, you know, he's, he's Ted Lasso as observer of everybody else's life. You know, the thing is, I, I enjoyed pretty much everything in this episode, but on a very, very surface level, because I felt like I'm watching the Cliff Notes version of Ted Lasso. 
all these all these yep. things that are that had been so carefully set up over two seasons are now just resolving and resolving and resolving and it's just going at light speed and yep. there's there's no sense of things being naturally played out or, or nuanced or constructed or nuanced it's it, you know i mean there was also the bit with nate in this episode oh, you know right. where he he you know makes the full transition to to good guy again Along with well, his dad, who out of nowhere it, becomes a nice yeah. guy, um, <laughs> who loves his son deeply. Thirty years of and, father, you know, father, father son issues was, resolved with a violin playing. I thought that I yeah, had in, missed. In moment. I thought I had missed an episode where he was like, and he Nate Nate has quit the team, and Nate is. I was like, wait, yes. what did I miss? It was wait, so that was exactly I my rewound. reaction. It's like, was there an episode? I yeah, didn't I rewound see in here. You know, I yeah. mean. It just, it was so sudden. And I guess that was part of it because they wanted to turn it into a mystery. What actually happened? But that's but true. It, it, you know, it was just so much of what this season has been like where you feel like there's things I'm missing. There's connective tissue here that is not, you know, showing up in between point A and point B. Um, I really am missing so much of this. It's like, yeah, the, the, the highlights. If you want to say Ted Ted Lasso the highlight reel, this is this is all this is all amusing. It's the express you know, train watch, to the season enders. Season it's all enders. unearned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just it's just unearned. You know. All right. Um, that's how I feel about it. Okay. Well, let's move on. Um, I think overall, I did like this particular episode, sure. mainly because of Rebecca. But um, let's move on to the next thing. Next up, we're going to talk about Queen Charlotte, and we're going to talk about episodes three and four. And three and four were basically episode three was Charlotte and what's the Char- George? I, I was like, who's the King George? George. Yes, uh, George. It, it is. It is. It is. It is burgeoning romance. So episode three is you really see it was called odd days or something. So every odd day they have sex and you realize that they're actually becoming a couple and it's sweet. It's a, it's sweet and everything and everything seems to be going great up until she wakes up in the middle of the night and he's drawing crazy on the walls and mumbling to himself and running out in the garden naked, talking to Venus. And you're just like, uh, what? And then the next episode is, all flashback of the entirety of the season that we've seen so far but from George's perspective so you can see why he behaved the way he did the whole season and so that one like I get why they did it but I feel like I could have inferred all of that without them showing it to me so I did like the end of the episode because the end worked but I did feel like I didn't need a lot of episode four. I don't know. Did you guys feel that way? I did not. I, 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 I mean, I thought that they could have actually shown a lot more um, of things that we had not seen. Thank from you. His perspective. But right. I did understand the point of it. And I, I did I, like the fact that we're getting this in context from his view. It's like, okay, that's, yes. you know, we've seen how it looks like from her point of view. That's, that's great. But it's like this is in context. This is what led up to that. And I get and it, but I felt like it was to too it. much. I do, I get that, but it felt too much. Like if if they had just shown me like the wedding night or stuff building up, like the stuff that they showed before the wedding, I thought totally made sense. I totally was on board with that because it was information we didn't have. So and then about his doctor who is a quack. Oh my God. That dude is crazy. Although actually, uh, and he also, in real I life. feel like is on a power trip. He, he actually existed. He did. In real I'm not life. saying that he didn't, but he's still a quack. Not only did he exist, but his his methods were considered progressive yes. compared to what was actually being done at at you know. With yeah. Other it, I mean, we're we're talking about an era where people thought that you know it was. It was ill humors that caused yes, and, and bleed religion. bleed the humors out. But now we put it in his stomach. Like yeah, I heard. I get I get what you're saying, but it did feel like he was on a power trip. Yeah, the, sh- it the show felt definitely like makes I have the control. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I, I I that's why I felt like he was. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's really my point. So um, 
uh, uh, sorry, Allison, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, that was my my only point was that yes, he's he's uh, a, a real historical figure. Not that they play him the the way that the historical figure would have been, but I th I think that you know there's something to be said for the fact that he could even be like the most generous of spirit person in the world who really genuinely wants to do good by his patients, but his ignorance of what's actually going on is still destructive. I mean, what he's doing is still absolutely horrendous, and it doesn't help a thing, um, simply because that's that was the state of, of people's understanding of, of mental disorders at the time. Right. You know, uh, you said, I, um, I really... I, I said this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. It's just that I'm, I was pleasantly surprised at the direction of the storytelling and, and the narrative. Um, uh, but so I will talk about, cause there are a lot of stuff that, ha that stuff that happened. We also got a lot of backstory about a Mrs. Danbury or lady Danbury, um, uh, yes. and, you know, and how, um, you know, her situation with her husband. And I really respect that the show is doing two things. Well, I remember Shonda Rhimes did um, some sort of ABC TV show. That, uh, I don't remember which Shakespeare uh, play she was doing, um, but, you know, uh, taking it um, uh, and placing black characters in it and, and including racism, you know, uh, in the show. And so uh, I feel like in this way that she's done it in this show, it's, it's pretty natural. It seems very, um, uh, you know, it doesn't seem particularly forced. It seems like, you know, it's a, a great way to explore certain issues. Um, it's an integral part of the story. Um, so uh, I, I, I like the way that she's handling that. I really think that she's doing a sensitive job with mental illness, um, both within the context of the time period. Um, it's not sensationalized because it could be horrific. It could be, you know, Marquis de Sade level, you know, torturous. Uh, it could be gratuitous what we're seeing. I mean, it is hard to watch, you know, uh, and, you know, we, and, and she's kind of giving us the, the, uh, you know, the context of how it's so uh, primal and primitive and, you know, medieval, you know, that kind of level of thinking. Um, but yet at the same time, but it's not sensational. I think it's, uh, it's, it's rooted in some realism uh, and it's, it makes us, it makes it very sympathetic for us. I don't think that it's, um, just a plot device. Um, so I feel like her, her characterizations and the way she's handling both mental illness, the issue of race, which, you know, was obviously there, but not in the way she's created it in this situation. Um, you know, I feel like she's doing a really good job and it, it really adds nice texture uh, to the to the show, which at, at the core is a love story, you know, and the love story, I think, is very believable. Um, I do think that Mad King George is charismatic. I think he's attractive. I believe their genuine fondness for each other. I believe that as it grows and it deepens. So it's that's that's really fun to watch as well. Uh, it's you know, it's moving. Um, it's poignant because, you know, that there there's three people in that relationship, him, her and his mental illness. You know what I mean? And she's doing the best she can. It's sort of like his wild mistress, you know, that takes him away with, you know, uh, and she can't kind of, you know, she doesn't have a say in the matter, but she's doing her best and she has to live with this third um, person in the relationship. Um, and so that's really fascinating. So I think they're doing a really good job while still making it entertaining. Um, and I'm I'm not sold 100 percent on Mrs. Danbury, the younger uh, you know, I feel like her uh, acting is a, is like affected, but I feel like that might be because she's trying to emulate the modern, the, you know, present day uh, Lady Danbury, who her acting is actually kind of affected. It's, it's a very specific kind of, you know, way that t she acts. So, um, but she's strong. She's a strong actress. She's, she's definitely got, you know, she's very watchable. So in general, I, you know, we've talked about this last week. I'll just finish by saying that I definitely am enjoying this more than um, the, it's weightier. It's more emotional. Uh, it, I think it has um, a lot to, going for it. And um, it's, it makes me um, care very much about all the characters uh, in a way that 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 none of the um, you know the, the the thank you the Bridgerton originals did. Bridgerton. So I I'm definitely enjoying it, and I and I think oh and lastly shout out to the um aww, to the um manservants I don't know what they're called but they're individual. 
<laughs> oh, Brimsley. Yeah. And I, forget um, what I thought that was also very yeah. sweet. I think their relationship is also very natural. It totally makes sense that, you know, they are minding their, you know what I mean? So that doesn't feel yeah. forced or trendy or sort of like, oh, let's give the gay man servants hopping in a bed behind the scenes. Um, I think that's also treated tenderly um, and sweetly. Yeah, yes. I think that they genuinely care about each other, but they're, yes. but they're torn about yeah. who they're like they're well. serving. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I like it. All right, uh, let's wrap that one up. Um, next up, we're going to talk about uh, Silo, and we're going to talk about episodes three and four. In episode three, um, what happened in episode three? I just watched four. Oh, three is the one with the engine. Yeah. Three is the one... The repairing the engine and they have 18 minutes to repair it or the world ends and uh i mean we talk about stakes and do i really believe that they're not going to fix the engine in in the amount of time no i don't believe that at all however i was so sure that that guy that was like supposed to be her her uh protege uh, yeah i was like that dude's dead like, I was like, he's not making it. I actually like, said I, that out loud. Their first conversation <laughs> is like, okay, well, you're dead. Yeah, I was 100% percent sure that some piece of equipment. That they didn't do that. Yeah. I, I was, I, I mean, they set it up perfectly. Because I was like, some piece of equipment's going to come flying out and, like, chop off his head or something. Um, but it, they did do a good job with tension. Because... It was still tense. And yeah, like I said, the stakes were not like I really believe that. No, yeah, they weren't really real stakes, but they did do a good job of making it tense for me, which is what I appreciate in a good drama. Um, Tom, you haven't talked in a while. Go ahead. What'd you think? No, I didn't care for episode three that much because. Really? Yeah, the engine thing, it's like I didn't feel the stakes were real. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, blah, 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 blah. I mean, the real surprise is when the mayor buys the farm at the end. It's like, oh, I didn't oh see yeah, that. that was great. That I, did I didn't see, see that, that coming. I did not see that coming either. So um, I did think that then, of course, my mind is like, who had the opportunity to poison her? So I'm like rolling through everything. And I, I saw that when they were like, stop the judicial, they did the water bottle thing where she drank from his bottle and he drank from hers. And I was like, oh, okay. But I mean, what I would... What surprised me is they they did the romance between them, which I totally bought between her and the deputy. I was 100% on board, and then they killed her like five minutes later. I was like, no! And I can't believe they got me that invested that fast. So. It's it's refreshing to see Will Pitt, Patton play a good guy for a change. Oh, yes. I, yes. I, I, I was going to piggyback on what Libya said, that um, it's a testament to their acting and just the sweetness of the – of the writing it being not heavy handed uh, their romance. You know what I mean? It was, it was very just well done and subtle and, you know, um, and, and it, I cared so much that not only that she died, I liked her character. She, you know, it was great that she, they played her as a troubled mayor who wasn't overconfident about anything and very kind of introspective and contemplative. And, you know, um, I, I think a lot of the things that I like about this Well, you show, believed in her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was very sympathetic. Because it would have um, been so and, easy to make her the bad guy. It would have... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, or a caricature uh, of, of, you know, whatever. I think that's and, one of the things that I like about the show. Go ahead. I think that's one of the things that I like about the show so far is that the people who we've seen... I mean, there is one... Uh, character in control of things who we have who's been talked about who we have not actually laid eyes on yet and so I'll reserve judgment there but the characters who we've seen in positions of power I think none of them fit the role of like you know mustache twirling villain they all mm-hmm. seem to be sure. people even even the ones who have difficult personalities they all seem to be people who are genuinely trying to do their best to keep everything running and keep everything going smoothly and see to, to the safety of the people who are living in the silo. And, you know, they're, they're constrained by their positions and by their lack of knowledge and things like that. But I think they all have the, the, the ones who we've met anyway, the best of intentions, which is kind of unusual for, for a show like this. 
you expect to see someone who I just want all the power, you know, and and so I'm evil. Like yeah, uh-uh. yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so I just I just like the fact that we haven't gotten that yet. And I also really like the fact that this show to me feels much less post-apocalyptic in these like minus the, the, I mean, there's only been four episodes, but yes, the third episode was very much about, you know, this or we all die, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm, I'm more with, uh, with Tom. I didn't, I didn't, I'm in the middle. I didn't love the episode. Um, you know, I think Peter was talking about how, oh, it gets really good at three or they should have shown all, all three at once. And I don't agree at all. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, two, two episodes of setup and context and all of that and introducing the characters is great, uh, especially because, you know, you want to care about them. Um, and then you're putting them in danger and that's fine, but there really wasn't, the stakes weren't that high. So it really was just watching, waiting for the red shirt to die, you know, wondering which one would go. So 10 Little Indians, not that interesting to me. Um, what I find that this show is less about these huge stakes of post-apocalyptic, are we going to survive as a society? Are we going to, you know, find water? Are we going to find a new planet? It's about a people and a mystery, essentially. Like, it's been four episodes now, and it's quite, it's like a thriller. It's like a murder mystery thriller for me. You know, it's more like a noir. It doesn't, it's not filmed like a noir, but I'm saying that the stakes are much smaller. I care about much smaller things. Um, the b- larger mystery about, you know, being outside and, and cleaning and what's, I've almost kind of forgotten about that. I want to know more about the machinations of, you know, who's in charge, who, who's trying to kill who, and why is this happening? And, you know, I mean, so I like that. It's much tighter um, and smaller of a show than I thought it was going to be. And I actually like that because I'm pretty sick of, you know, you know, over bloated, you know, huge stakes, you know, big monster, big disease, big, you know, something. Um, this is much more about, you know, the, the, even the directing and stuff, the focus and the acting and all of that. Um, it's much more human uh, and it has the, a very strong mystery element. And um, I really want a thriller element. So I'm actually really enjoying that aspect of the show. And then in episode four, we do the big flashback with Rebecca Ferguson and we see her childhood, what it was like growing up. The mystery they, of course, have left is what the heck happened to her brother and her mom because they mysteriously die, but yes. we don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we get to see what broke up her relationship with her father, why she ended up in engineering and all of that. It's just she was running away from the pain of her life. Yeah, again, and, small stories. Yeah. Yeah, small stories. Uh, Tom, any other thoughts about that before we move on? No, I liked episode four much better. And uh, it's interesting because Tim Robbins, you know, completely gray, obviously not a protagonist, but more a bureaucratic douche than anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wouldn't put it past him. Mustache twirler. Right. And I, I, I wouldn't put it past him that he was involved in the other mayor being murdered. And it's, it's good to see Common become a little bit more integral to what's going on as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, and talk about cliffhanger. It ends on a crazy cliffhanger. Allison, you want to comment? Yeah. No, I just, I, I really hope that we don't get too many more flashbacks of Ian Glenn being CGI'd young. Because <laughs> he looks like that was awful He was like a living Ken doll. It was absolutely grotesque <laughs> looking. It's like, oh my God, he's yes, wrapped in plastic. Yes, there was something so weird about his nose. It was, yeah, yeah they, they, was like, weird. I couldn't stop staring at his nose. Yeah, they just, I really they was like, like, what is wrong with his nose? And then I realized, every oh, they feature in his face. Yeah. Yeah, it was, All right. yeah, it was weird. It was bad. It was very weird. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about uh, the last thing he told me. And we're going to talk about the first three episodes of this. And this is the TV show on Apple Plus with Jennifer Garner and Nikolai Costawaldo. And, well, and when I say him, I mean, he's sort of in it because he's in the pilot. And then he's he disappears like smoke. And then we just see him in flashbacks. But the premise is he's a happily married uh, guy with a step with a daughter. And he just got married to his new wife. And the daughter and the wife don't get along. And then his company gets investigated by the FBI. And then he disappears. And the only thing he leaves is he leaves Jennifer Garner a note that says protect her. And she's supposed to use her super psychic ability to understand what the heck he's talking well, about. Well, he also leaves her something else. 
Well, he leaves the daughter. Something. Yeah, he leaves the daughter a similar note, but with a, like half a million dollars, or was it a million dollars in a buttload of money? It was like a million dollars in a in a bag. Um, and then I was like, "What?" So obviously he's involved in something shady. We just don't know what. And really, if you break the show down, it's it's the relationship between Jennifer Garner and the stepdaughter, and them going from an antagonistic relationship to a real relationship. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the heart of the show. And the, and then the drama or the thriller of what, why did the husband disappear? The dad disappear is what brings them together. Solving that mystery. It's the plot engine. Yes, that is the plot engine. So what did you guys think? Um, I, I, the first episode I honestly found to be kind of a slog. Um, it's really slow going to set up. It's 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 a setup episode. It's you know putting all the pieces on the board and and it's just kind of. Uh, but if it's but it's short, and if you can get past that, it really builds after that and becomes and becomes a lot more interesting. And and so it, it caught me enough that I pretty much watched the entire series in one sitting. Um, the, my my big problem though, which I really never overcame through the whole thing is that I could not stand Bailey. I, I just absolutely <laughs> couldn't. She's, they, they play she's her a as, brat. She's, she's a horrible. Brat. She's horrible. They play her as, I guess, their, their idea of a typical snotty teenager, but she's not typical. She's just so over-the-top aggressive and nasty and negative and awful that I just wanted to dropkick her out of the... It's like, <laughs> wow. you know, just go to Austin and lose her there. <laughs> Come wow. back home and forget about her. I just I mean I, I feel like I I felt like that in the first couple of episodes I felt I like it all the way through I, I the first the, the first couple of episodes I understand your because she was mean to Jennifer Garner's character for no reason sometimes mm-hmm. there was no no reason to be that snotty and 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 I will say as a child whose dad my parents were divorced and he would be dating other women and then they bring him home and he's like, okay, I'm going to marry this woman. This is going to be your new stepmom. Yeah. I, teenagers are jerks. <laughs> Cause I, I was one of those jerks. That was me. Uh, I don't think I was ever, I wasn't allowed to be that bad, but I was bad. So from my perspective, I could, I could, I could put myself in those shoes a little more but I, I'm not going to argue with you. Tom, what do you think? No, I really liked it quite a bit. Um, fun fact, this was a, uh, Julia Roberts was really originally attached to this. And when she oh, talked out, huh. Jennifer Garner campaigned for it and is a perfect choice for it. No, it's, it's a pretty good mystery. Um, I agree with Allison that the first episode did have a lot of table setting. But after that, once they get into the heart of what's going on. Right. And uh, once they go make Austin weird again. Once they become, oh yeah, episode three. Once they actually get to Austin. Once once they become proactive instead of reactive, that's what right. Up. And Aisha Hines was was good in this. It's it's interesting that you know she she basically was a talk you know a talk show host who became a com- comedy actor, but she has some good jobs in this. So as her best friend. Yeah, I mean, I believed her as the best friend, and and uh, her lawyer ex boyfriend Jeff Stoltz. Get, from yeah, wait, does he show up yet? Yes, he does. Yes, okay. Yes. I, yes. And then I will say that the um, the U.S. Marshal guy that's like stalking her at her house that was, gave off a creepier vibe than he should have. Yes, <laughs> I yes. Like I was like, I one, I didn't believe him when he said he was a U.S. Marshal. I was like, this dude's lying. He's a hitman. Like, I never believed this guy. Like, and I don't know if they were doing that on purpose. I think it was a misdirect on purpose. I think so, too. That's, that's yeah, what but that's I the mean, vibe I got, was that yeah. they were deliberately trying to make everyone seem like they were a threat, including trust him. Trust no one. That's yeah, it. well, the trust no one, I still feel like that that's, that's valid. But I think overall, uh, the first three episodes do a really good job of drawing you in and trying to, and I, and I think when you realize that Bailey doesn't even know who she is or anything, like when you get to the third episode 
and you realize that Austin, she has all these memories of the stadium and the stuff is coming to her in flashes that her dad's lied to her her whole life. That like, that's teenagers have a whole thing about who am I in the first place. And then you add to the fact that her dad's lied to her her whole life just compounds it. And so I know you said you don't like Bailey, but that made me feel more sympathetic to her because that's devastating. So anyway. I mean, I, I agree with that as, as a matter, you know, as a point of fact, my problem is that she's just so over the top horrible. Um, they, the, she, she didn't even seem like a human character. She just seemed like, oh, this is what we think, you know, a, a problem teenager would behave like. And it didn't seem, it didn't seem that human to me. It didn't seem authentic. Well, I, like I said, I trust me on this. Uh, well, uh, look, I know that there, there, there would have to be some, some, uh, I mean, you know, putting myself in the position, I am not a child of divorce, but if, if, if I was, and suddenly, you know, one of my parents came back with, with someone who was going to be my, my new daddy or mommy, I would not have been happy at all. Um, but the, there's, you know, the, there's a, a period of time where you deal with that and adjust to that. You, and especially if the other person is making adult, so much effort to ingratiate that's an, themselves. That's an adult perspective as a teenager. I'm telling you, it, it's not the same. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. We, we can agree to disagree on that perspective. Let's, uh, but I think overall we can agree that the first three episodes will get solid. you into the story. And it's mm -hmm. solid. Yes. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Rabbit Hole. And we're going to talk about the series finale, the last two episodes, to be exact. And I know the last, the last time we talked Rabbit Hole, I was not caught up. I am caught up now. But the reason I wasn't caught up before, because I found about halfway through this series, I started... Once you realize what the stakes are, because the first half, you don't know what's going on. It's all like this crazy mystery and stuff is happening at a million miles an hour. And then when you get to the end, towards the end, you start to realize it solidifies to this is what we're fighting. This is the stakes. And I was like, oh, my God, this is boring. And I didn't like it. I will have to firmly say I was thumbs down on rabbit hole in the end i i thought the stakes were uninteresting and i thought what the bad guy was trying to do was very the definition of tropey and just ugh. and i think i'll fall asleep in a corner so that's all the negative i i mean and then the very end really like the mysterious guy is a fake mysterious guy who's replaced by another fake mysterious guy all both played by actors that are somewhat similar and famous but they were fake because they got somebody in their ear talking. Like, come on. Oh, okay, I'm done. Someone else who liked the show, please talk. Well, I didn't hate the show. Um, I, I do agree with you that the the final reveal of what all of this is supposed to be about um, the the goals of the bad guy were like really. That's honestly? it. Honestly, <laughs> and the, and the way people were supposed to react to it too. The idea that you know. Everyone would be all on board with this this uh, this new computer program that uh, reveals everybody's information to the government. It's like that's what people are fighting against right now. Yep. No one's going to suddenly be all on board and say, "Yeah, that's a great idea." Um, I don't care who gets shot in the head accidentally. <laughs> it's not going to suddenly change public opinion on that point. Um, it, it, that that was just just nonsensical but um if if you just sort of let your brain go to sleep on that fact um and just enjoy the action and the characters interacting um i i still was was on board with it for that reason because it was it was nicely done they put in some interesting twists um some of them worked some of them didn't um but i thought overall it was interesting i thought their uh Peter Weller as as their their original as um, not Crowley as not yeah. Crowley and then the um, other guy who who was not not Crowley and Lance, Lance and then it's well, the thing is no he is Crowley but apparently no, Crowley not. had no he is because he was recognized by by um the uh the father and I'm just blanked on his name um but it's he I mean he knows him as Crowley from when they were young 
but he's the the issue is that Crowley is not the ultimate one in charge. We, you know, that's they leave oh, it for okay. the very, that la- they were trying to, very yeah, okay. last shot when you see that thing in his ear and you realize right. Crowley is taking his marching orders from someone else. Um, yeah, and I was just like, I just rolled my eyes all the way to the back of my head. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I do I do think that the the whole thing with um, having Peter Weller not be Crowley was was not the greatest idea. I I mean, he's he's such a a good actor and he was perfect for this type of role. But saying no, gotcha. He's there's somebody else who's doing it, and I'm thinking who would be more interesting than Peter Weller? I think I think he's great for this. So what else? And Lance Hendrickson, I guess, is a good choice. But I mean, still, it's it just seemed unnecessary. It's it's like Way why do we need this switch? Um, and and you know they have that thing at the end where you see the thing in his ear, and so I guess that's supposed to be an opening for season two. But I I really. They don't have any desire to, to do a season two. The story's of this. over. That the yeah. story is done as far as I'm concerned. I don't need to see a season two of this. I do think that the woman, the best reveal they did was like, oh, you kidnapped my ex-wife, but really you kidnapped the woman that I hired to rescue my my ex-wife. And uh good luck with that. And I was like, <laughs> that was awesome. Like of all the things that happened in the last two episodes, that was by far the best reveal that they did my big takeaway was crowley was trying to do what samaritan on person of interest did several years earlier exactly <laughs> it's like they I was like a better plan <laughs> I, thank you i was like yeah i've already seen this like done better yeah because nobody had really to vote on on samaritan it was just doing what it they it was an underground organization they were doing what they did you know exactly i, mean, I don't believe that yeah, your the whole point of Congress approved it because people now want to do it because this woman got shot. No, nah, don't my, believe it at my all. My dog. <laughs> no. So yeah. All right. I'm we should get Congress Kirby. to agree to pay our past debts. <laughs> <laughs> really. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. I for me, rabbit holes a thumbs down. But you guys are. It was. It saying, was diverting. I mean, yes, it was. It, it's not going to set the world on fire. But it isn't the worst thing I've seen. There's in the last too week. many shows <laughs> on the planet awesome. Earth now for that to be uh, an endorsement to watch. Exactly. Thank you. I don't Thank know. I, I think if you want, if you're in the mood for a spy thriller, you could do worse than Rabbit Hole. It isn't. It isn't genius, but it's it's fine. It's it's it is enjoyable to watch. Let, let's move on. Uh, next up, let's talk about Mrs. Davis. And this is episodes uh, five and six. And the first one was all flashback to Clara. And we see her life from, because we just got revealed that there was a, the, the whole thing was a bizarre commercial. And so this shows how the, the British commercial. Knights. Yeah, the British Knights tennis shoes. You know what's so funny about that is I was actually, when they were like planning to shoot the commercial and everything, and they were spending all this time, it was like three years of planning. And I was like, did they talk to British Knights about, like, it did occur to me, oh, they like in the license. back of my, right. I, it, it occurred to me in the back of my head if they had the license to shoot this commercial. And the answer, of course, the the plug or the, the laugh line is that, no, they didn't talk to an intern named Brian. Oh my God, that was so good. But uh, but what we really learned in this flashback was that Clara's mom uh, is sort of a psychopath and really dedicated to the the uh, Holy Grail, but is not a very good mother. Uh, and that scene when she's doing the commercial and she's her mom is like directing her and she says like I'm dying of whatever. I was like, oh my God, is she lying to her to try to get a better performance? And the answer to that question was yes. Yep. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so uh, anybody want to talk to the second half of the episode where she goes looking for her dad? After she steals the Holy Grail? Allison? Um, okay. Um, well, I thought I, I thought that it was... Um... It was interesting to see. Uh, I, I really like Ben Chaplin from when um, he was in uh, the Joss Whedon thing that we recently saw. Um, oh, that's right. He was in the Nevers. He was in the Nevers. Yeah, but very different oh. role. 
Um, he was the detective in the Nevers. Right, because right. at first I was like, "Who are you talking about?" Oh, okay, now I remember. Um, right. Yeah, and and now he's he's this uh, scruffy professor, and turns out to be the the Schrodinger. Yes, yes. Who um, is is Clara's dad, and she she tracks him down, and they decide to go on a hunt for the Grail. Uh, rather not the 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 Grail, but a way to destroy the Grail themselves because Clara's made off with the grail itself. Um, so, and whatever thing they try, they, I mean, they've, they've done everything, I think, short of nuclear detonation to, <laughs> to destroy this thing and they can't do it. And, and finally we get that, that end where Clara decides, well, you know, what, rule what if I drink one. from this? Yeah. Rule, well, that's what the if rule I number, rule one. number one. Rule. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I was we like, I, what happens when you break? I mean, they say one. rule number one is never sip from the grail, but she never found out why they say never sip from the grail. I feel like that could have been an email to somebody, you know, like, hey, why do they always say never drink from the grail? Uh, so she's like, I think what it means is is it'll destroy it, or my head will explode. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was the most surprising bloody moment i i don't even know have the like the look of shock on the dad's face was about the same as mine except i wasn't covered in goo um <laughs> that was great that was a great scene uh tom your thoughts you want to talk about the next one or the end of this one um because that was a couple episodes ago um they're all kind of running in and i don't want to spoil anything no i just thought <laughs> the um Oh, Wiley's guys are such a oh. they're such a bunch of goof, I mean they're likable but they're goofballs, <laughs> right? Right. And Chris Diamantopoulos, oh, uh, uh, who also had a small role on um, oh the thing with uh, uh, Bob Odenkirk. He was. I don't know who you're talking about. You talking about Celeste, the mom? No, Chris Chris Diamantopoulos, the, the the dude with the Australian accent, the, the Aussie. Oh, Aussie. not a Nazi in real life, but yeah. he's a character actor I've been a fan of for years, and this was such a fun role for him. Oh my god, he, oh, was, he was so hilarious. over the top, so over, so the, top over the hilarious. Top. So yeah. no, I just you know, well, pl- let's talk about planning a heist. Plan a heist. Plan a heist. I mean, they want so, to steal this suit from. Is it the, is mom, well, the mom? Celeste is the mom, and because they know that. Well, they first start off with, hey, let's ask her for it. But they're like, she's going to say no. Yep. So let's let's get ready for her to say no and plan a heist. So, uh, And their planning of a heist is hilarious because it was like, wait, there's a trash compactor? <laughs> it's like this Star Wars? And she's like, my mom's never seen Star Wars. And I was like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> And no, I, it's a fun role for Elizabeth Marvel too. I I first noticed her on, uh, oh, the thing with Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. Uh, I know House House of Cards. Something. Thank you. But this is such a complete departure from that role as kind of this, you know, frigid mother from hell. But just, I mean, one thing I really like about this show is it takes a bunch of actors that you've seen in other stuff. And gives them just crazy roles. Did you realize that Matilda is played by Katya Herbers from Evil? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a very different part for her. Yeah. So it's just it it is such a strange show that defies description, but eminently yes. watchable. And yeah, I love. Every it. time I try to tell somebody to watch this show, I'm like, okay, there's a nun. <laughs> Who's fighting an and, AI. And I was like, and there's an AI and it's kind of sci-fi and it's a little religious. Uh, that's all I can tell you. And then go. And they're like, what? Like, that doesn't even sound like a description at all. And I'm like, trust me, it, it's going to be great. It's very hard to describe this to somebody. It really is. Yes. But I loved, I loved the heist. I loved their setup for it. And, you know, how they planned everything down meticulously and they go through all the detail <laughs> and everything, of course, goes completely goes wrong. wrong. And and yeah. the most wrong thing about it is that it turns out they're not even where they think they are. They are in <laughs> they are in a movie set that her crazy mother has constructed to look just like 
her but, her but what's great because she is that she didn't even do it right but she didn't even make that set for them she made no. it for a completely different reason <laughs> no, she, it was like for clients to show them you know about security but it, oh it came in it came in handy for this she she knew all about what they were going to do with the the couch she intercepted it and set and shipped it off to this place and that I mean, so just good. all of it was so insane. So they don't end up with the Lazarus shroud, but I do love the scene at the end where you know they're they're completely depressed and they're broken, and and Simone decides that it just she just wants to get out of the car and she goes into this diner and asks someone to proxy for her with all uh, oh, right with yeah, Mrs. Yeah, yeah. Davis again, and this is where she finds out that her father in fact did not die mm-hmm. in that accident mrs Davis no the mom the mom him. the mom gives her pictures of the dad from atms that's how she finds right. out which she well she he's from atm but it doesn't make any sense she confronts mrs davis and said did you kill my father and she said no i i didn't kill your father that's just what your mother needed to hear and and she knows that's when you learn that mrs davis lies she lies and not only that but she she knows where her father is and the proxy is so appalled by the answer that she says this is screwed up just here you 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 can (laughs) listen listen. to it and and whatever that was great it was it was i'm just my mind went crazy it's like how could it what could it be that this, right. this woman doesn't want to hear it but when when simone finally wait 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 no oh no, yeah, yeah she does right. put the thing in her ear right and listens to mrs davis she smiles and says thank you and it's right like, what could it be that would elicit that kind of reaction it was right. it was just so insane all will but be what's, revealed what, in due time Oh, yes. Yeah, but what I really liked about that moment was it sh- when she goes, I tell my my listeners or whatever what they users, want to what hear. they, want, they to want, hear. want to hear. And you see the woman who's the proxy react to that. She's like, oh, crap. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wait, what? Um, so when you hear that everything you think is the truth, some of it could be a lie. That's just super disturbing. Um, but I, I thought that was a really good moment. That was a really good moment. Yeah. So for me, uh, right where we are right now, definitely thumbs up. Mrs. Davis is just, there's all cylinders, all the cylinders. Definitely. So, all right. Uh, so that's all we have to say about that. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can listen to TV Campfire, gmail.com, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. You can listen to us on sci-fi.radio, uh, Six Degrees of Geek, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.